WebmasterRadio.fm, the flamethrower. WebmasterRadio.fm, we're everywhere. Welcome to Life Tips, the show that offers expert tips and savvy advice to make life easier and more fun on the web and around the world. Life Tips President Byron White talks to the latest trendsetters about strategies to grow your business. Editor Melanie Mayer interviews celebrities and expert writers on their tips for making life enjoyable and entertaining. Now, please welcome this week's Life Tips host, Byron White and Melanie Mayer. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition, another week of Life Tips that hope to make your life better, smarter, faster, and wiser. Um, and Melanie and I thought we would take a couple of minutes here to just tell you a little bit about ourselves while we're waiting for our guest today to join us. Um, you may be curious to, to learn a little bit more about us uh, and to see what our vantage point is and where we're coming from. So without further ado, I'm going to interview Melanie Nair. Melanie, are you there? I am here, Byron. <laughs> And this is funny. going to be incredibly entertaining. <laughs> well, to, to to paint the picture for the fans out there that may be listening in, Ellen and I are looking at each other through a glass wall. Uh, I'm in our office here in Charlestown, Mass, and Melanie is across the way. She's got a. We're in an old Navy yard over here with. Uh, with I'm still waiting sort of, for all four walls of my office <laughs> to be put up. <laughs> she actually has a big hole in in her <laughs> office. That's an old uh, doorway. Uh, that uh, adds character. Yeah, exactly. And I'm in a conference room that is an office and a conference room. Since I'd like to gab so much in front of an audience all day, every day, it's it's only appropriate to have a conference room in my office. But, Melanie, tell me a little bit about your, your background, where you're coming from. Tell us about your last employer. That might give a good vantage point for where you're coming from. Well, uh, that's a big question. But as most of you know, I uh, have a 10-year reporting background, and um, I jumped ship at the Boston Globe to come work for you, Byron, here at Life Tips. Um, And it was a fabulous decision, and I got to take with me my journalism, my reporting, my interviewing um, skills with me over to Life Tips and really help craft the tips here for, um, for our readers, make them valuable and make them educational and make them informative, um, and really what I think is add a whole other angle to what our readers get to see because we get to be a little bit more um, you know, crafty in, in what we do and how we present it. And, um, you know, one of the things I love doing, of course, is getting other writers and involved and helping out and learning about their tools and techniques and their backgrounds and, and having them craft these tips that only they know because they're the experts. Tell me a little bit about Boston.com. Um, I'm sure that most of the listeners out there are quite familiar with Boston.com and, and how big that site is. The popularity is really, really quite overwhelming. But right. tell me about some of the challenges of publishing content over there and what you ran up against and, and what the challenges were. Well, you know what's really interesting is that I have a print background, as, as you well know, and as a lot of people know, you know, that's what my 10 years of journalism really was in, is in, in newspaper and magazine reporting. So when I moved over to Boston.com, it was really my first foray into online and web reporting. Um, and it was really at a time, you know, where things like sitemaps and optimization and metadata weren't really talked about. Um, and what we realized very you know, soon after the site was launched and when working with the Globe and with Boston.com, which many people don't know are two separate entities, Boston.com is not owned by the Boston Globe. It's owned by the New York Times company, and the Times has separated both their online 
components, the New York Times.com and Boston.com, from their print publication. So it's com- two separate worlds altogether. Um, and it, what we found was that things were just not meshing between the print publications and the online publications, and it's because many print reporters didn't know how to write for the web. So it was a whole new world, and it was a whole new way of, of writing and a whole new journalism aspect and a new way of really reaching your audience. I want to ask you a question that comes with controversy, um, and that is there's a... Oh, now you're really tapping into it, Byron. (laughs) See, now you get the chance to ask all the questions that you always wanted to know. (laughs) Well, and and even better, this is going to be podcast, and we can listen and laugh later. (laughs) But tell tell me a little bit about... Um, about the, the challenges that that a, that a writer uh, faces in in having to say water down headlines and 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 optimize the content on your page and move away from the the traditional flavor of journalism and reporting and have to all of a sudden you know want your page to get read and listed at Google so you've got to jam in the keywords to your headlines. Tell us about that challenge and how you wrestled with that. Well, you really hit the nail on the head when you talk about being creative in journalism and how that has to change when you get to online, because the reality is it does not have to change. It's just a matter of reframing or rewriting something um, so that it really does you know, appear better. It's like, you know, there are some great examples for, you know, instance, when, when Pope uh, John Paul passed and... Uh, you know, we, we did a lot of, obviously, I mean, the Globe did tons of stories about it, as did many other publications. And, um, you know, when you're writing something in the paper and you're talking about, um, you know, uh, um, you, the leads and the titles of stories can be so creative because you're really trying to embrace an audience. But the bottom line is, you know, Pope dies is what really needs to be the title because that's what people are searching for on the Internet. And it was such an interesting way of having to create a lead that is not only important for your readers in print and it's going to pick, have them actually walk by the newsstand and pick up the paper because they want to read it, but it also is so important that we write something that's, you know, friendly to the spider bots that people who are searching on the Internet and are trying to grab research for are going to also see the story. So it was an interesting way of trying to combine both um, creativity and, you know, also the mechanics of the web and really making it a whole new product without changing, um, like I like to call it, the integrity of what you're writing about. Mm-hmm. Now, in in the print world, success is is probably defined with number of newspapers sold and or advertising revenue. Um, how does that change in the in the in the online world? Is it all about is it the same variable? Is is what is the definition of success on, uh, for for you know, online publishing? Every re- every reporter and uh, you know any journalist you talk to is probably going to have a different answer to that. For me, it's can you find my story online? You know, it, it, if I if I did it right, then you'll know how to find it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know that's the most important thing, and that comes with keywords, and that comes with optimization. And I never thought I would hear myself say those things, but it's absolutely true. You know, if, this, if a story that I wrote last year is relevant today, people should still be able to find it using keywords that I used in that story. Uh-huh. And that's how you define, you know, as from my perspective, you would define success. And the same thing with life tips, too, with the tips that people publish. And I tell my writers that all the time. You know, if you want somebody to find your tip, make sure you're using the keywords that you're trying to optimize for. Now, what's your take on user-generated content in the um, in the in the news world? Um, there's a lot of buzz right now. For example, in um, in uh, in in London, uh, when uh, a recent terrorist uh, attack happened in the subway, 
there was someone with a cell phone that took, you know, turned on their camera and, and filmed uh, what was happening, and, and it was a tragic event, and, and it was captured, you know, by the people for the people. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, what is your take on that, and how is that changing the whole information age and in, in the, in the reporting age and the journalism age? Oh, it's, it's so amazing because, you know, today's technology with cell phones and cameras and even PDAs now have the opportunity that every, everybody can be a reporter, everybody can capture the news and submit it and send it um, so that, you know, really people can see what's happening right now and get an understanding. And it's, it's, you know, it's taking away from the I'm listening to something and I'm hearing something and now you're actually seeing it. And I personally think it's, you know, there's nothing wrong with a pedestrian capturing a news moment and sending it to the paper. It's another thing for them to capitalize on that. Um, you know, but how else are we going to find out the information and how else are we going to get the information that we need if nobody is there to tell us the story? So how do they capitalize on that? And what's wrong with capitalizing on that? Well, there's not necessarily anything wrong. You know, if, if, um, you know, if Joe Smith is on the London subway and he wants to take his, his camera and, and film what's happening and send it to BBC for, for debut, you know, as long as BBC produces the picture right and, and makes sure that it goes online, you know, in, in, the, in the right form and there's nothing cut and there's nothing um, focused. And it really is courtesy of Joe Smith, and I don't think there's anything wrong with it. But, you know, if Joe Smith wants to come back and, and try to claim royalties off that or, you know, or, or wants to throw it up on, I don't know, you know, add funny faces and, and you know, details and stuff like that, you know, there's, there's nothing too wrong with any of this. It's just that, you know, if you're going to do it for news purposes and you're doing it because there's something as big like a terrorist attack or, um, you know, a, a fire or a police chase or something, then understand that it's, it's for news value and that it's important to get it out to the readers and it's important to get it out to, you know, the people who want to get the information. And, you know, making it something that it's not isn't really doing the justice that you're, you're wanting it to do. I mean, but if it's something fun and entertaining like, um, you know, I don't know, uh, finding a leprechaun at the end of the rainbow. You know, do what you want with it. It's, you know, it's totally, it's different things that you can do depending on the topic. Um, tell us what your, what, your, what your thought is with regards to the length of the story for the web um, uh, versus the length of the story for, uh-huh. for the paper or, or whatever. Is, is, this is, is one of your favorite sayings, keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> when you are dealing with things online, get to the point, because we are really busy. <laughs> We are all very busy people. Well, you know, I, I can say if I'm going to read an article online, I want to know within the first three paragraphs what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if I want to read more about it in the paper, that's my leisure time, and I'll pick up the paper and read it. But that's, that's just, you know, people have done studies on this. This has been written about. This has been talked about. And, you know, it's, a, it's amazing how when we go online, our minds completely change than how we pick up the paper on a Sunday morning over coffee and breakfast and really read every single sentence in the paper. When we go online, we're looking for information and we're looking for it fast. We have um, make a trend. I'd love to hear you talk a little bit more about writers in general and and uh, and, and, and and the do's and don'ts for building uh, your your career. Um, 
naturally in your current role at LifeTips, hundreds mm-hmm. of freelance writers come across your desk and, and apply at LifeTips for, for writing positions. What are you seeing as, as, as trends with, with great writers that you've hired here at LifeTips as far as freelancers are concerned? Well, there's, you know, we also, and I, you know, should point out, we also hire experts. And, you know, what we're looking for is people who really know their niche topic. And we're also looking for people who are also great writers. Um, You know, and there's, sometimes you walk a fine line, but I think the most important thing is, you know, can you get across what you're trying to say to me in the three in, in three sentences? Are you using your keywords? Are you, you know, are you really focused on on selling yourself and making me believe that you're great at what you do? Um, and then, you know, the reality is, let's let's see what you've got. You know, let's we talk about it. And I I talk with with uh, writers. I interview references. I you know I look at their resume. I do my own web search on them. When I see a name come across that I'm interested in learning more about, I'll Google them. Um, I'll Yahoo them. I'll MSN them and find out what I can about them. Uh, you know, this is not an easy industry, and we want to make sure that we have the best of the best, and I do my best to make sure that we have those people here at LifeTips. How can writers advance their careers, freelance writers particularly, just in general? Oh, read, 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 and, and educate yourselves and, and learn about other people. Um, listen, you know, watch the news and listen to reporters. Pick out reporters or, or newscasters or radio show announcers who you really like. Read journalists in the paper who you really like. And then read what they write every week and, and listen to what they say every night. And then the next day go and read about the person or, or read the article, um, listen to the newscasters of the, of the reporter who you might not like as much and try to figure out what it is about them that makes it different for you. I know for me that was one of the best things um, when I was tra- crafting my career and trying to figure out, you know, what kind of a writer do I want to be. I was, I was going after the things that I really liked in other people. And, you know, it was, very, it was very helpful to me as I was crafting my own sense of what I wanted to do because every writer is an individual and it's important to maintain that. So look for the things that you want and... Um, you know, go after them and, and go to seminars and, and take continuing education classes. I went and got my master's degree while I was working full time, and it was the best thing I did because I, I was learning and working at the same time, and it was incredibly helpful. Well, let's and take talk a break. to your peers. <laughs> you know, let's talk to your break, editor. <laughs> uh, let's take a break at the moment, and we'll be back after the break to talk more with your hosts. Thanks. Life Tips on WebmasterRadio.fm. We'll be back with more cool tips and advice right after these commercial messages. Blog, blog, blog. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're the talk of the town. WebmasterRadio.fm. Thanks for listening. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. Attend the Public Relations Event of the Year, the 2006 PRSA International Conference, benchmarking your public relations strategies with the best. Conference registration gets you insider access to dynamic speakers and unparalleled strategies and networking events. Register at PRSA.org to receive a $100 early bird discount off your registration. Qualified non-members will receive a bonus one-year PRSA membership. Visit PRSA.org for details. WebmasterRadio.fm, the official radio network of the 2006 PRSA International Conference. 
Now, experience the future of web design and development with a whole new level of efficiency, expressiveness, and simplified workflow. Introducing Studio 8, a compilation of the latest releases from Dreamweaver, Flash Professional, Fireworks, Contribute, and Flash Paper. Sure to inspire you to create superior online video sites and mobile content. And now, through this exclusive WebmasterRadio.fm offer, listeners can save a whopping $100 off Studio 8. Visit the online store at Adobe.com or contact Adobe Customer Services and provide promo code Webmaster Radio in order to receive your discount. Studio 8, your way to create. Oh, my God. Right. I know. I don't like it. <laughs> Speaking of a girl named Susie. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of a girl named Susie. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to the new world, Madonna, Madonna, the hottest woman in the world. <laughs> Just bounce a quarter off those buns, Madonna. Speaking of a girl named Susie, yeah, yeah. Speaking of a girl named Susie, yeah, yeah. Women love a good dancer, and they love a good kisser. I like that, I like that. Dude, you are so cool, cool, cool. Isn't that the funniest thing, Smoocher? Speaking of a girl named Susie, yeah, yeah. Speaking of a girl named Susie, yeah, yeah. Dishy Mix. Thursdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. <laughs> Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. I always like my name, but now I'm having second thoughts. I'm going to change my name. Drop into the Webmaster chat room. WebmasterRadio.fm. Clothing is optional. WebmasterRadio.fm. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. And now back to Life Tips, the show that offers expert tips and savvy advice to make life easier and more fun. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Now, here's your host. Hey, everyone. It's Melanie. I am back with Byron and our guest, Joe Matthews. Joe, are you there? Uh, Yes, ma'am. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Thanks so much. We're excited to have you here. For those of you um, who we didn't introduce earlier, I'm sorry, Joe is... um, the Life Tips franchise celebrity guru, and he also is the founder of Franchise Performance Group, uh, where he works as a franchise consultant, and Joe is also a co-author of Street Smart Franchising. Joe, before we get into some nitty-gritty franchising news, tell me a little bit about the book. Well, the, the book is a, a very interesting book. Uh, the reason we wrote it is we saw that most of the franchise books out there you know, started with the premise, hey, you're going to start a business. Now here's the steps. Uh, that you take to research an opportunity, mm-hmm. uh, which sounds like a, a good approach, but the reality is anybody who's been in franchising for a while will tell you that 99 out of 100, that's the statistic, people who look at opportunities actually don't do anything. <laughs> so, so we started with the premise that if you're reading this book, it's almost, you almost definitely aren't going to do anything. <laughs> and so now, exactly what do you do to switch that around? Yeah, so the first half of the book is everything you're going to do to sabotage yourself and rip off <laughs> your dreams before you ever even think about getting started. Uh-huh. And then the, now, you know, if, if, assuming we still have the reader, and maybe we do and maybe we don't at that point, you know, assuming we still have the reader, then and only then are we going to walk people through an intelligent process of evaluating opportunities. So okay, we so start what? with the premise you're not going to do it, and then we take people through... Uh, up through just in case they do and, and show them everything in between. Sure. 
One of the things that you, you talk about in the book is identifying your strengths and then identifying your weaknesses. Yeah. Um, and one of the things I loved so much is, is, is one of your questions, what is my genius? How do you oh, really cool. nail the hammer on the head with that one? I mean, that is such a loaded question. And you, like the listener, are probably <laughs> the last people to know what your genius actually is because in right? your world it won't show up as genius. If you truly are a genius, it's going to be it's going to be very routine, right? Okay. It's like asking Tiger Woods, "Teach me to swing the club like you." <laughs> I hit the ball, <laughs> you know. <laughs> okay, so the best thing to do is ask people that are very close to you, "What am I particularly good at?" Now, some people will be in touch with their genius, and some people won't. But the ones that that aren't, uh, you know, what am I particularly good at? And I will tell you, every one of the listeners is a genius at something. Absolutely. Uh, I work with uh, a lot of behavior profile companies, and one guy who has been in profiling about 50 years, and he must have profiled close to a million people, and his comment was, there's nobody that I haven't profiled that wasn't a genius at something. Mm -hmm. And it's just getting in contact with that and making it work for you. Just I think a lot of the disconnect is people really aren't either in contact with it or they don't know how to make it work. We try to show them how in the context of franchising. Gotcha. One of the things that I really want to get into, and this kind of is a, is a great segue from what Byron and I were just talking about as, as reporters and news and, and information and kind of talk to you a little bit about this, is um, you know, most recently is the, is the subway issue, subway franchising issue. Um, but oh, also, yeah. you know, there's a lot of information and there's a lot of, of companies and there's a lot of legality from the, the past year about franchisor and franchisees. What can you tell me about specifics? when it comes down to really, like, is, is there a common theme here? Uh, I will tell you, <laughs> the franchisors that are brilliant at franchising, legalities doesn't even enter the equation. Okay. A, a really good franchisor, how you know they're a really good franchisor is because you go into their office and the cabin, the file cabins with the dust on them, those are the ones that actually have the franchise agreements in them. <laughs> yeah, most franchisors, if they're competent as franchisors, they get the agreement... You know, that the second they take out the agreement, it's because it's completely broken down. Mm-hmm. You know, so they really don't try to exert legal control over the franchisees because that doesn't work. That just invites pushback. And then to your point, what's going on with Subway would be just the latest, greatest example of that. You know, so good franchisors just have healthy and open dialogue and exchange with their franchisees. And both parties know uh, they need each other to win, and that both parties have to be making money in, for, or in order for the other one to win. Because if the franchisor is not profitable, the franchisee is not going to get tools to work one with. Of the, one of the things you said in a recent article, a successful franchisee-franchisor relationship isn't a business relationship. It's a deeply committed personal relationship oh, built on a foundation yeah. of trust. Uh, and that's such a powerful sentence. And I'm wondering if you could give me some tips, both from the franchisee perspective and then from the franchisor perspective, on really building that personal relationship when you enter into a business agreement like this. Yeah. Um, Let's start with the franchisee. First of all, you, what you need is, you, well, I'll just just put it in a bigger context. You need both parties, right? You, yep. you, so if both parties don't want it, then it's not going to happen. You know. So uh, now I'll take it from the franchisee's perspective. Please. Now, from the uh, from the franchisee's perspective, uh, I think that there's got to be some recognition from the franchisee that they that they've got to take 100 percent responsibility for whatever the results are. You know, it's their business, it's their result, and there's not a franchisor in the world that's going to make them successful. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, it's got to start there from their perspective. Uh, now, take it one step further. That doesn't mean that the franchisor isn't going to impact their investment because the whole reason for investing in a franchise is to get tools and resources and coaching and to join a community uh, where their tools that they receive are better than any one or two or three franchisees could ever put together on their own. And that's where the value is, and to stay in communication and in community with the franchisor. And, and, you, and when you get in business from a franchisee's perspective, you've got to look at it two ways. One, you've got to look at your own business, and most franchisees are pretty good at that. Mm-hmm. But you've still got to get in the world of the franchisor. You know, so it's like, what is their business model, and how do they make money? You know, and really come from, uh, yeah, I want to get what I want, but how, how do they get what they want, too, and then enter all negotiations and conversations from that perspective? Win-win. Now, that's a very overused and probably even, uh, you know, now a cliche word, mm-hmm. but, you know, it just really enter into all dialogue. How do both parties get what they want? Now, from the franchisor's perspective, here, uh, which is where I have a lot more experience with, sure, a, a lot of the breakdowns occur... Because a lot of the employees of the franchisors, they don't really get the heroism of the of the franchisee. They don't. Mostly, a lot of employees of the franchisor have never owned a business before. They don't know what it's like to wake up at one o'clock in the morning and not make payroll. They don't know what it's like to put your kids' college educations or or your uh, house on the line if that's what some of them have done. And they don't know what it's like to live off a 100% performance-based compensation. They don't know what it's like to go to work in the morning and maybe not get paid. Yeah. Not only do they not know what it's like, they probably will never put themselves in that position. So they really don't get a lot of them what it is to be a franchisee or have appreciation for what's at stake. And uh, having a you know getting working with the uh, the franchisors employees to really get an understanding of that, I think is the first step. Uh, second, it would be on the franchisor side is define the relationship. A lot of times, the franchisor will look at the franchisee as if they're a, it's a subordinated relationship, because in the agreement it is. But okay. in reality, uh, it's not subordinated at all. Because if the franchisee doesn't win, that franchisor will tank. And if you look at how where franchisors spend their time and their energy, it's always with the uh, franchisees that are not making money. But 80% of their time is trying to prop up the people who aren't making money. Only 20% of their time are, are, is with the, uh, the people that are paying all the bills, which are the profitable franchisees. Right. You know, um, so yeah, just some recognition of that. You know, going back to the, the subway case, just because it's, it's probably the most fresh in people's minds right now, what are those looking into franchising, you know, what, what, what kind of lessons can they learn from this? <laughs> Gosh, that so doesn't work on so many different levels. What's going on with Subway? Let me just give the reader or the listener just a quick uh, idea what, what what we're talking about. You know, so right now Subway, and I'm going to define Subway as Fred DeLuca, who's the founder of Subway, oh, okay, who's sure. still, uh, the CEO and very much involved in the day to day operation. You know, he built this company from the first store. So God bless him. I think he's the only franchisor to take it from one store to where it is now. So he is the most successful and the biggest genius franchising has. And as, as more than any person living or dead is responsible for bringing franchises across the globe. So I will never say anything bad about Fred DeLuca, but I, he is misplaying what's going on now. Okay. Now, the way Subway was set up is the franchisees own the advertising co-op. In other words, everybody puts in a little bit of money. There's 21,000 stores. Next thing you know, you have an advertising uh, a fund of 
you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, I believe, that the franchisees work with the franchisors to control. So neither one of them owns it. They work in collaboration to determine where the money's spent. And that's worked for them since, you know, 1960s. Uh, and now recently, Fred DeLuca of Subway has made the move to completely wipe out that trust fund that's the adverti- and, and actually create an advertising co-op that he controls. Right. So to divert those hundreds of millions of dollars into a company completely controlled by one person. Now, the, the franchisees are saying, you know, no way. We're never going to agree to that. We're going to take you right to the mat. And, we'll and don't they have the a right to say that? Uh, you know, they do. Uh, because, it's, you know, if you really look at how much money the franchisees have into Subway, I figured it out with uh, someone once. There's probably the franchisees just in the United States have probably invested over $3 billion. Yeah. An investment capital into the company, which is about what the you know Fred DeLuca has a partner. And the last year or two years ago, Forbes estimated their combined net worth to be about three billion, so one point five each. So the franchisees really have you know dollar for dollar have what in, have into it with uh, Fred DeLuca and his partner have into it. Sure. You know, so I do think they should have a right to have a say in where that money is spent. But you know, when you talk about hundreds of millions of dollars, that's going to you know. Yeah, people, you know, it blood drips from the fangs, right? Who wouldn't want to control that? <laughs> right. You know, and that's what they're going into. And now, but all their attention now is being taken away from fighting Glynnos and, and, and vying for market share and going to war against McDonald's or some of the other fast food chains that they've done very well positioning themselves. You know, nobody wins these arguments. Nobody wins these fights. It's just who loses the most. Yeah. And on that note, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with Byron, who's going to talk to Joe a little bit more. Stay tuned. Life Tips on WebmasterRadio.fm. We'll be back with more cool tips and advice right after these commercial messages. Don't get caught in a web of confusion. Learn the ropes on WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. Attention webmasters. Wish you could convert more web traffic into cash? No need to rub a lamp. Just click on GenieKnows.com. Install a search box on your site or incorporate paid listings XML into search results. And at your command, GenieKnows.com pays cash for each result your users click on. Enjoy prompt payment and superior customer service. Earn even more through our referral program. GenieKnows has to results. G-E-N-I-E-K-N-O-W-S.com. With over 30,000 clients and eight years of experience, West Host is not your basement hosting company. Starting at $3.95 a month, West Host offers the lowest price virtual private server technology in the industry, yet they don't sacrifice their world-class data center or superior 24-7 client support. Sign up at westhost.com today and get the hosting technology and real support your business needs at prices you can't find from other hosts. Westhost.com. That's westhost.com. W-E-S-T. HOST.com. When you expect more from your web host. Are your domains working hard enough for you? Now, park your portfolio at RevenueDirect.com to maximize your earnings on traffic. With RevenueDirect's proven domain monetization service, you'll experience better payouts, more options, and smart optimization. Sign up free now at RevenueDirect.com. It's that easy. RevenueDirect. Make more money. Period. I only find you attractive to me. Good. How about you, dear? (laughs) 
Mm. Is that that lovely steamy odor of sex? Wow, it smells like sex. (laughs) 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 Uh, Anyway, all right. That's that's funny. Everybody in the chat room is going, oh, they're in love. I like that whole aspect of I'm on radio. No one can see what I look like. And it was sort of my nice ha 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 to the listening audience. Clad, just in a pair of heels. Naked, wearing only... High heels. Say, say, Brandy, you're a fine girl. What a good wife you would be. But my love, my lover, my lady is the sea. It is nice to be celibate as long as you can do it with everybody. (laughs) (laughs) I don't get it. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Rainmaker. Only on Webmaster Radio. FM. You have arrived at the destination for education and entertainment. WebmasterRadio.fm. Because not everyone's last name is Gates. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere. And now back to Life Tips, the show that offers expert tips and savvy advice to make life easier and more fun. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Now, here's your host. Pleasure to chat with you, Joe. I'm uh, Byron here. just want to ask you uh, some interesting questions, more about the Webmaster space and, and what's going on for the, the listeners uh, in this space. What do you know about the whole lead generation space in, in the franchising industry, Joe? Are you talking about it from a franchisor's perspective, Byron? Yeah. So, uh, so I'm a webmaster, and uh, let's say I want to uh, sell leads from a website that I generate to Subway. Um, what what bounties are our Subway paying, and do, does does Subway have uh, you know uh, relationships with with conglomerates and and lead generation websites and and people that have built big vast amounts of knowledge with with franchising and are are having signups on their website saying yes I want more information about Subway uh, franchises and that lead is then being passed off to Subway franchising and Subway franchising is paying paying a bounty for it. Uh, well, no, they actually don't pay a bounty. Uh, hmm. There's a reason for that. It's um, yeah, there's a legal distinction called franchise broker, and if uh, if these websites are are paid on a on a per franchisee basis, like if somebody learns about a particular opportunity on a website, it, it initiates the contact or the data is uh, aggregated at a franchise opportunity website, mm-hmm. and then they're paid on that. The FTC would consider that website a franchise broker, and then there's a whole legal can of worms that gets opened up. Uh, so th- that's not exactly how that business model works. Uh, so franchisors, what they do is they advertise on these sites and they pay a monthly fee of on the low side of, say, $400 a month to a high side of, say, $1,700 a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they are looking for leads. They are looking to be introduced to people that are looking uh, to buy businesses. And what they're looking at is probably uh, on the at the end of the day, uh, trying to pay somewhere between forty and sixty dollars a lead is typical, mm-hmm. and that's where you get to the seventeen hundred versus four hundred. Some will generate higher volumes of leads, and some won't. When you uh, does that answer your question? Um, in 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 I guess so. Yeah. Um, when you scan the the pay per click prices that that, uh, that 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 people are paying out there, 
um, what are why are these people paying so much revenue, and what is being gained from 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 uh, from traffic to their website? For example, franchise consultant um, commands a five dollar and sixty cents per click um, rate. We've got um, franchise business for sale commanding a four dollar and ninety three cent rate. We've got women's fitness franchise commanding a three dollar and ninety four cents rate. Why are people paying such high pay-per-click rates, and what's the return on the investment for those 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 costs? Okay, there, there's t- there's two different models of businesses out there. Some are the franchise opportunity websites, like Franchise for Sale. I think was the one you just said, right? That was a keyword, Franchise for Sale. Yes. Oh, okay. So there's, I'm there's talking about, about keyword prices. So okay, not well, that's what's driving yep. it. Okay, so let me. Let me tell you, there's two things that are jacking that stuff up. So one is a new breed of business broker mm-hmm. uh, called franchise consultant, which is one of the words, right? Or one yes. of the phrases got, that got bid up over five bucks, right? Correct. Now, what franchise consultants do, they are a business broker, and uh, they will interview franchise leads. They'll intersect them when they're looking, and then they will make an introduction to a franchise company, and they actually will get paid a commission, and they know what, what can and can't be done in the eyes of the FTC, and they've established themselves uh, to abide by the FTC guidelines. And they, their fees actually are pretty substantial. You know, so a franchisor, a participating franchisor, will pay a franchise broker anywhere from twelve to $20,000 for a successful introduction. And when you're talking about mar- you know, margins that big, that's what's driving these words up. Now, on the, on the flip side is you also have franchise opportunity-type websites where there's paid advertising. Now, what's happening is, uh, you know, the, the people that own these franchise opportunities websites, they want the traffic to go to their site and not to the broker site. You know, so they, they see that their traffic uh, is being uh, usurped by uh, the success of these new franchise consultants or franchise brokers, and what they're really doing is they're jacking each other up, and, and they're, uh, they're bidding each other out as if it's an auction. Tell us about some of the websites out there in the franchise space. For example, franchise.org. Yeah, there's about, right now, there's probably like 30 franchise-type websites that are out there. Uh, there there's about 10 really good ones. One is Franchise.org, and that's owned and run by uh, the International Franchise Association, which is our is the trade association of any chain that is organized as a franchise. So it represents about, right now, probably about two or 3,000 different franchisors in about 80 different industries. Uh-huh. And, uh, and they provide education and, uh, and then also information about different franchise opportunities. Uh, there's Entrepreneur.com which is also the publisher of Entrepreneur Magazine. Uh-huh. You know, and they have their different little spin and a lot of tips and good information. Uh, there's companies like Bison. There's Franchise Gator, FranchiseOpportunities.com. There's a, probably about uh, at least a dozen sites out there that probably get at least 75,000 unique, unique visitors a month. And, and they all have their little twist. I'm not sure one is any necessarily any better than the other. Now, are they are they competing in the search engines for for airtime, and how are they profiting? Like, let's take franchise.org. How are they profiting uh, from from their venture? Well, uh, franchise.org also gets membership fees from its franchise, but if you just isolate the uh, the model, uh, the the website, mm-hmm. as if it was its own, uh, you know, the only entity that they mm-hmm. had, 
Mm-hmm. The only way they would make money would be paid advertising by the franchisors. So maybe, I don't know, there's probably two or 300 franchisors paid onto that website, probably on average of 500 or $700 a month. That's so whatever that works out to. How about Franchise.com? Same thing. Yeah, they, they all operate off a paid-in advertising model. Yeah, Just, okay. it's complete, you know, not, I would say 95% of the revenues uh, are from paid-in advertising. Franchise.com also has a very unique service. They sell offering circulars from their website. You know, so so uh, their their people that visit their website can also buy the the franchise offering circulars at a couple hundred bucks each. I don't know what that is as a percentage of their revenue. Have you seen any uh, any internet based companies try to franchise their business? Uh, yes, uh, I, I, typically there's um, let's see, WSI, which does uh, website design. And there's a couple companies in the web design space. And here's what their model is. You know, under a normal web design or technology company, they'd, they'd have outgo- they would have outbound sales forces, right? Uh-huh. So what they do is they actually create out a business opportunity out of the sales force, and then they provide the backroom support and the, dev- and the design and hosting services. So, uh, so they would just contract with a, uh, with a franchisee to operate as a sales agent and protect the territory to try to drive revenues. And they, and they would work out splits. So there's about two or three or maybe four companies playing in that space. But most franchisors are low-tech. You know, usually technology companies, they, you know, you got to stay on the forefront of the technology, which requires a lot of centralized research and development. And it's really, really hard to get independent business people to consistently upgrade in technology and make those reinvestments. So you'll find most franchise opportunities, probably 90 95% of franchise opportunities are really low-tech uh, type businesses. If you, um, for, for uh, I enjoyed the beginning part of, our, of, of the discussion today with regards to looking inward and trying to do some soul-searching and, and figure out what, what you're best at. Um, but what are the, the hot, uh, profitable, uh, low-cost franchises that pop on your radar screen as the hottest uh, new trends in, in buying into a franchise? Uh, can I have like five minutes on this one? Is that all right? Sure. Oh, okay, because there's a, there's a few I want the readers to take advantage of. Yeah, one, which I am completely enamored with, I actually took them on as a client to help them with their growth, is a company called Duty Calls. Now, here's what they do. Here's their business model. I go to your house, and I pick up your dog poop, and then I leave. Talk about a low-tech business, right? <laughs> it's a shovel and a, you know, a, you know some sort of scoop. What's the cost to get in, and what's the estimated it, ROI if there are a lot of dogs? It's 25000 to, say, 40000 in with, you know, with the trucks and all in and your working capital. Mm-hmm. And they've been around about five years right now. Their, their parent company, their prototype operation, is tracking at, listen to this, $700,000 in sales on about a 30 to 40% flow through to the bottom line. So in other words, uh, as an absentee-owned operation, you know, the parent company is going to you know, clear you know, 200 grand On a twenty-five or to $40,000 investment, in five years they built a million-dollar asset with a couple hundred thousand dollars in cash flow. That is one freaking great model. And the franchisees are rapidly uh, replicating their success Matter of fact, they were just uh, their story was just picked up in about 200 newspapers over the last couple of weeks because 
you know, it's like, what's a pooping, poop scooper franchise supposed to make? Nobody knows because they're inventing a category as they go, right? So that's what One makes it kind of interesting. I'll bet somebody and, knows. Uh, and another great lower entry cost type business model to get into is non-medical senior care. So with the cost, the double-digit increases in health care, and with the high cost of nursing homes, there's franchises out there like Home Instead and Comfort Keepers. They specialize in uh, taking care of the elderly in their own home. You know, because we're so time-starved and, and there's so, you know, there's so many single-parent families right now, you know, normally the, these services would be provided by family members, just like cook a meal or sit down and read them a book or take them shopping or help them administer their meds. But, but families just don't have the time now. So for 15 bucks an hour or 20 bucks an hour, uh, someone will go into their home and do all these things that the family would normally do. It, ke- it keeps them out of a nursing home and saves tens of thousands of dollars. Now, insurance companies will probably start picking up the cost of non-medical support. They're, I don't think they are today, but that would be conceivable that they will in the future, and the lid will, ex- will come off that thing. The other thing to look at are p- anything to do with pets. You know, I talked to you about duty calls. There's, you know, there's like mo- mobile uh, pet grooming. There, about 40%, I think, of the homes in the United States now have a dog or a cat. You know, so anything to do with pets is a really booming business right now. Uh, I, I also always like uh, education. Uh, so there's remedial and supplemental education like Huntington Learning Centers in Sylvan. Uh, there's a new uh, education franchise that you'll look at. It's called Learning RX. And, uh, and and they do just miraculous things with underperforming students and people that have been misdiagnosed with ADD. You know, they, they just have, have a, a nice, unique approach to that. Uh, so those are a few. And then child services. There's a really interesting franchise out there that is competing with uh, the YMCA. They do for-profit youth sports leagues, and that's I-9 Sports, and they're rapidly growing around the country. There's the Little Gym International, which is organized play. So basically, if I did tie a bow on it, look for businesses that actually apply guilt. I'm, I feel guilty because I'm not spending enough time with my kids. There's the Little Gym. I feel guilty I'm not spending enough time with mom and to keep them out of the, uh, you know, I feel guilty because there's dog poop lying all over my house and I don't want to pick it up. I feel guilty because my house is dirty. I want to hire a maid service. So guilt sells. Hmm. How, how, much, uh, uh, um, uh, how much do you need to weigh upon the success of a franchise? Should you, should you choose to go, go into the business? How much passion versus marketing savvy versus, uh, you know, innovation or value proposition that you might personally bring to the table? What are the ingredients for success, Joe? It's going to vary with each person, with each opportunity. But at the end of the day, any franchise that you look into is going to have its winning formula, and, and it's really going to be up to the person investigating the franchise to determine what that is. Some franchisors can very clearly articulate it, and they have it very well spelled out, and if you just follow their recipe, you'll win. I will tell you, franchises that brilliant are in the minority. Has anybody created a personality test, if you will, and or aptitude test and or skill set test that you can take that helps you get matched to franchises that might uh, appeal to you? Uh, not like, like eHarmony, not, not to that extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are behavior profiling companies that focus in franchising. Uh, my experience is they overplay their hand. 
So I'll give you an example. Like I actually do behavior profiling, and I think it's maybe a third to fifty percent of the pie. You know, in other words, so I could I could um, take your profile and I could determine that you're a visionary and the type of environments that will bring out productivity and things that you'll be particularly good at. Okay, but if I don't meet you, I you, know, I, I, you might have terrible body odor, and that's going to impact your results. And there ain't a behavior profile test in the world that will let me know whether or not you know how to use a computer. Or, or whether or not uh, you know your hair is greasy, you know you that, that all fr- impacts. Do you think the franchise of the, of, of of the future will depend upon internet marketing savvy? Oh, it's already dependent on in, internet marketing savvy. Yeah, we're already there. So growth, if you growth of of the business, if you will, if you've started a franchise or if you're even considering starting a franchise, you you feel that that marketing savvy is is imperative to success. Yeah, there's uh yeah there's Mark, now the franchisor is going to have to have their version of marketing savvy. Like they got to know what it takes to drive the top line, and the, and the franchisee's got to have some savvy because they've got to take those systems and implement on the local level. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, so the franchisee coming in has to have some marketing savvy. They really got to understand how to drive a top line of a business. Uh-huh. You know, if it's a management-heavy uh, business, and most of them are. You know, they, they've got, you've got to be able to be able to get at least a small team of people moving in the same direction and, and you know, and, if you, and have had some experience in getting results through people, you know, motivating them and retaining them. And then uh, cost containment. You know, m- most small businesses, you really got to manage the cost to the decimal point. You know, so you've got to be somebody who knows how to budget and knows how to, you know, manage it according to budget. So driving the top line is only half the equation. The other half is, Watching the cash going out the back door, you know. So, so a, a, an entrepreneur really has to have a good, well-rounded experience to make it. Now, most people don't have all that going in, or what would they need the franchisor for, right? Huh. You know, well, so Joe, the franchisor's uh, got to be competent in delivering that to the franchisee, and that's where you get a lot of mixed results. Well, Joe, appreciate your time today. I wanted uh, Melanie to chime in with a few final words of wisdom with you, but I uh, really enjoyed uh, the chatting with you today, and I'll look forward to hearing from you in the future and sharing some tips at Life Tips. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me on. Well, thanks, guys. This wraps up our show for today. We're out of time, and we appreciate you listening. Next week, we're going to talk about retirement, and maybe Joe can provide us with some more information on how guilt sells in franchising and, and how that leads into retiring in your old age. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for tuning in.